Hello, and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we are interviewing DCE Rebecca Duport, an author of a resource on youthesource.com. Youth Esource is LCMS Youth Ministries resource website with over 1,700 different articles, Bible studies, skits, and discussion guides. There's a wealth of doctrinally reviewed, current, and helpful resources for you and your youth ministry. To find out more, go to youthesource.com and check out those resources. After the 2019 LCMS Youth Gathering, we posted Bible study resources written by gathering speakers or studies that revisited the themes of the gathering. Today, we are joined by one of the speakers who tackled an important topic for young people as they mature in faith and learn to navigate our broken world. Little did we know how timely this topic and resource would be. And the topic we're going to cover is fear. And as we record this, depending on when and where you are uh, with listening to the podcast, you are in a different phase of trying to open up after life after a pandemic. Uh, Most likely you have had your life altered in perhaps in some significant way because of COVID-19. With this situation comes questions and perhaps fear. That includes fear of getting sick, of getting others sick, Uh, fear about making decisions, about businesses, about schools, about parenting. Uh, And in the lives of youth, they are facing a lot of those same fears, fears about health, but also fears and concerns about future education careers, relationships. Fear is nothing new for humans, and clearly it's not anything that we didn't expect because we talked, we wrote this resource, or uh, DCE, Rebecca wrote this resource, uh, you know, months and months and months ago. Uh, But uh, for something like a pandemic, that can certainly amplify its effects. In the midst of this, we're thankful for the promises of Christ and that victory over fear that he uh, gives us. In these times of uncertainty, We look to God's word and to fellow Christians to refresh us and strengthen us. To help us have that conversation, we have invited DCE Rebecca Duport. She serves as director of the DCE program at Concordia University in Irvine, California, an assistant professor of Christian education leadership. Rebecca has served at Concordia since 2014 and is also the associate director of Crosswise Institute. Prior to CUI, Rebecca has served as a DCE in Idaho, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Florida and lifespan education, roles working with children, youth, family, and older adults. She also speaks at youth gatherings, retreats, and conferences. Along with her husband, Kyle, she enjoys spending time with her four boys and their events in scouting, sports, and school. Professor Duport, welcome to End Goals Podcast. Uh, We get to hear a little bit about your biography, but tell us a little more about your vocation, your teaching and leading DCEs, and other things that bring you joy. Hi, Juliana. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Um, It is just wonderful to be able to work with people on a regular basis. This time of COVID-19, it definitely has changed that, but it hasn't taken away those relationships. And I'm just so thankful for the different ways that God has used me and placed me in people's lives over the last 20 plus years of ministry as a DCE, and then now working with students preparing for full-time DC ministry. Uh, as a mom, I have absolutely enjoyed the treasure of being able to have uh, at least two meals a day with my family. 
And that is something that, you know, we try to look for blessings in life as opposed to just what a downer this COVID-19 time has been for some of us. But it really has been a blessing to have conversation with the six of us around the table. And having four boys ages from seven to 17, um, we definitely crossed that lifespan of elementary, preteen, and then two high school students. So it's been some very insightful dinner conversations or afternoon chats that normally would not be present with our busy schedules if we were in the pre-COVID normal that we're, we were accustomed to. I uh, love to hear that. We love to hear from our uh, speakers or guests a little bit about their journey in the faith and in the church. So tell us a little bit about your junior and senior high school years and how Jesus used a key moment or maybe key people to help bring you close to him and the church. Uh yeah, it's interesting. I was able to spend my last class time with my DCE students sharing this exact same thing mm. as just an encouragement. They've heard a lot about my journey and story, but I put it to pictures and shared with them pictures of me as a junior high student and a high school student and then through internship. And of course, they had a lot of laughs about that. And I saw the saw the iPhones come up a few times and take screenshots of some of the images. So I'm not sure how that's going to be used later in my career, but I think we might see some of that peek out on Facebook or, or Instagram, actually. Um, however, my involvement as a junior high and middle school student was one that was accustomed to being a part of the church dynamic. I grew up as a pastor kid in my own home and family. And as the oldest of three kind of took charge and keeping my two younger brothers in line, but being a part of church and church ministries was an expectant um, in our life, uh, our life cycle in the home. However, moving into high school, my parents' marriage was pretty rocky. It ended in divorce when I was in college, but not having a solid, um, consistent DCE in my life was not something I was familiar with. But then my junior year in high school, our congregation actually shared a DCE. And that was a game changer for me in regards to faith. I thought that events were great, thought lock-ins were a lot of fun, thought this would be a great full-time job. And I really saw with this one year, her name is Denise Manning, and she was my DCE. I saw the difference of caring for someone spiritually. And especially in a time for me with my parents' rocky marriage, marriage and being a pastor's kid living in a glass house, um, not feeling like there's anyone you could talk to or even express that to, that care for me spiritually was where God was directing me in that path of um, the vocation of DC ministry and essentially leading me to Concordia Irvine for my undergraduate studies. But Denise was definitely a huge factor for me in shaping that spiritual life and exposing me to other, other church workers and people who love Jesus and love teenagers to walk alongside them in their faith journey. And that was something that led me to the path uh, of a DC myself. So what do you love about working with young people like your students in teaching or in serving your sons, two of whom are in high school, um, and other ways you serve people in your community and church? You know, I think you might hear a lot about this from me today in the podcast, but it's that word relationships. And just not even knowing the impact that I've made in someone's life until maybe years later, uh, when they when they call you up and say, hey, I'd love for you to meet my family. We're in town in Southern California. Can we say hi? And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this kid was kind of a holy terror in my life in my first call. And then there he is wanting you to meet his son and his wife. And so what a difference those relationships make. Um, I think it's the time that you're spending with a student 
and realizing that you're going, this is not what I planned. I spent a lot of time on this. Not enough people have showed up. Golly, is this really worth it? And then you find out that the conversation you're having in the couch or in the youth room or on your drive to the event was the the people and the time for Christ to show himself to the students and really to minister to you. And you walk home, for, you walk back away from that, or I'd go home from that and saying, oh my gosh, only two people came. But those two people shared things with me and we were able to dialogue in a way that would not have happened if 12 people were there or 20 people were there for high school youth group. And so I think about some of those contexts and it's those one-on-one experiences that really kind of carry with me and are the treasure that I pass on to my students now at Concordia as the value and the impact of why we do what we do and how God is using us to fulfill our calling in church work. That's great. We're so thankful for the ways that you encourage people in your congregational ministry, but also uh, shaping uh, next leaders in the church, too, and just the, the value of relationships and those connections that get made across the church. You got to participate uh, in the 2019 LCMS Youth Gathering. Again, one of those places where we see young people get connected and adult leaders as well and build those relationships. And you spoke at two sessions for adult leaders. One was titled Moving uh, from Programs to Relational Programs. Um, and which this encouraged adults working in youth ministry to move towards truly living in community and sharing life with young people, just what you talked about and how those relationships get developed. This including finding ways to focus on building a relational ministry for students to thrive. The other session was titled Ministering to Youth in Crisis Without a Counseling Degree. (laughs) So those things that, again, all adults can do to support our young people. And that session really got into, again, those times of crisis, man, something like, like we're in right now with the pandemic. And explores the caring and sensitive side of working effectively with teens who are experiencing both normal but also extreme crisis situations. I want to say that if you're interested in those topics, both sessions are available as a podcast via the LCMS Youth Gathering. Just sure check those out uh, to hear more about this. But Rebecca, I did want to have you say a little bit like, how was that experience talking at the gathering, uh, both with youth and adults at the event? You know, it's wonderful to have that opportunity because. Uh, it's wonderful and scary at the same time. Let me add scary because it's not, um, you, you don't know your audience that you're talking to as, as opposed to, I know the audience in my classroom that I'm teaching at Concordia, or I know the students in my youth group that I'm going to engage with. So going into a session, you're not sure how many people are going to come, but you don't know what they're bringing with them that they're hoping to have answered. And so of course we can instruct that way. We can ask, you know, questions at the beginning, but it was very affirming to hear that the, some of the simple tactics or just reminders and tips were helpful for the mostly a volunteer youth worker that came in. I did have a good handful of pastors that were also in the room that would help kind of back up some of the material that I shared. They would add additional resources and that was encouraging. So what I enjoyed the most was kind of the team between, you know, ordained, even commissioned DCEs from time to time, but majority were volunteer youth workers or moms or dads that were at the NYG for the very first time. And they were there and wanting to learn more on how to care for their youth. Um, What I enjoyed about some of the dialogue when we break them into opportunities to share with one another was that everyone, regardless of their background, was struggling with the same thing. Everyone had a heart for youth. Everyone had the pain and the sorrow that youth have shared with them about their crises, their life story, walking with them on their journey. And we were all there to learn and encourage and lift each other up on how we can sustain that, how we can find a balance between 
not like, you know, necessarily trying to solve the problem for them, but to encourage them to talk to trusted adults in their, their life, to encourage them to build relationships with their own parents um, so that it wasn't a, you know, a burden for us to carry alone. And so that was probably the most, um, I guess a relief of the session is, you know, your own anxiety as a professional walking <laughs> to lead this and then realizing that we are all on the same page. And there's no difference from me standing up in front of the room from you, except that I took the time to put it on a PowerPoint and share with you some stories uh, versus the people who are sitting in the chairs who had their own stories, their own experiences. But it was just a a great affirmation um, to lead from our strengths. And so that was really kind of the emphasis that I talked about was knowing what your strengths are and how to connect with your teens and doing what works for you. And what may work for Mark or Juliana is different than what might work for Rebecca. And being okay with that, being confident with that. And I really think in the discussions I've had with some colleagues in these last few weeks and months of COVID-19, that that really still plays true. Know what your strengths are. And we can really get that, you know, I think about we get that FOMO when we go online and we see what other people are doing. And especially as a woman in ministry and as a mom, I can really get down on myself like, oh, my hair wasn't that cute like her hair. And I don't take my kids on those fun journeys. But here I am going, That's what, maybe that's not my thing. Maybe I don't always look this way. But more importantly with ministry is to say, this is what I do well. And maybe I want to drive around the neighborhood to all of my high school students' homes and leave them gift bags on their front porch where, where someone else does really well with Zoom meetings and one-on-one check-ins. And, and so just kind of finding what it is that you do well and how you connect to your students, it's just in a different model now that we're restricted from being face-to-face. So I think we can apply a lot of the same concepts that we talked about at the NYG in that session to COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love this focus on relationships and then going out of your strengths because, you know, as we're in the middle of this unprecedented situation, uh, something where you, nobody's trained for this. Nobody, (laughs) well, there might be some, some, medical experts who were hopefully <laughs> trained for this, but nobody in church work certainly is, has been trained for this particular situation. Uh, and as you've kind of been in contact with current and past students, how do you see, you, you mentioned a few times, have you seen relationships being particularly important, uh, especially as, as normal programming has sort of come to an end for at least a short time? And how do you see youth ministry practitioners uh, finding new ways to kind of build those relationships and, and lean into those, even though we're socially distancing? You know, Juliana, I think that's a great question because um, I believe at the, at the beginning of this, I felt like the church did a really good job of programming. You know, we do what we do well. We programmed the heck out of families and put online resources and we're emailing you attachments to do Sunday school at home. And as a working mom, with four kids and a husband who also works full-time in education, honestly, I don't really want to sit down and do one more thing with them when I'm already doing first grade math and first grade spelling and other things like that. And so it's not to say I don't want to do Jesus time with them, but it's a matter of how can the church give my child maybe some live interaction to interact with their children's pastor or even their pastor in a more live setting to chat and communicate. And so I've seen the church programming adjust 
very quickly. I, I feel like we went really heavy on resources and links, and now we've kind of backed up and done more face-to-face. But then I, I see that the trend, and I, I, I know you guys agree with me, that now the face-to-face is kind of getting a little tiresome. And so now we're looking for, well, what's the next new thing? How do we connect with people now? And uh, as we see some stay-at-home restrictions lifting, I'm seeing a lot of new creative ways that people are interacting or high school ministries are giving everyone a parking space and they're designating what those parking spaces are and saying, come pull in and doing like our own walkthrough, drive-through type of interaction with high school students or parents driving their freshmen if they don't have a license. So there's some more creative ways that we're getting some interaction and that really connects to relationships. Um, How do we reach out to those students that were already on the edge? I've heard different ministries that talk about their young adult population has actually been more engaged and more connected because there's no restrictions of, well, I have to work or I have a class. And so there's like more of an attendance from the young adult population now to connect with their leaders online. Um, But still some high school ministries I'm picking up depending on the context and what they had as a foundation going into COVID-19 is determining what type of ministry they're and feedback that they're getting from their high school students. Some are checked out because they're burnt from being online all day with school. Others are still going strong because of the different creative ways they're engaging. So I'm seeing that as like very kind of roller coaster, up and down, up and down. So there's not one set way to do ministry in COVID-19. And I think we'd all agree that pre-COVID, that was the same way for youth ministry too. There's not one set model that works across the board in every context, every culture, every community. And so finding what works well for your gifts, your style, but knowing the pulse of the people that you're ministering to is really key. And so how do you build those relationships to know the students that you're ministering to, what their current struggles are in COVID-19, how much screen time do they have? Are they burnt out from it? So I think it's really key and essential to be um, talking with and having those personal dialogues and calling on the phone, I think sometimes is better than doing a Zoom meeting because we're all burnt out from that and just calling somebody up. So it's changing the way that we're communicating and doing a somewhat of a reset to kind of what we would say some old fashioned communication. Because even texting is starting to become less of something that we want to spend our time with. So um, I don't know. We're seeing a shift, but I really think to reemphasize going on your strengths and looking at at that as your congregation, too. And what works down the road is not what may work at your own church, because every place is doing something different. Uh, That's great. Thanks for that that insight. And uh, and one thing I love seeing was the desire for youth ministry practitioners because they cared for their young people to get creative and figure things out because they wanted those relationships to continue and they continue to care for their young people too and help families in that. So love what so many people are creatively doing. And certainly we're here to help resource best we can and um, support people as they continue to figure out, like you said, what is the next step and what does this look like and how long does this continue? We uh, we do want to talk about a resource <laughs> that you provided um, as uh, it was one of those things that you so graciously wrote for us right after the gathering. And it was, uh, it was on the title of fear. Um, and this delves into how the fog of fear, we often look at the wrong things to bring us peace and comfort. Um, and, and we really, fo- you focus on that our real present God invites us to be fearless for he is the one who has conquered fear. There is no fear in love and Christ promises to love us and help us. Um, so the study dives deep into the topic of fear and anxiety and spiritual warfare. Um, and this was a study that we highlighted right away once the pandemic started, that we got out and kind of to our resource piece, just because it perfectly fit and was suited into uh, that current situation. 
So I want to talk a little bit just to get your feedback on um, you know, why you dove into that area about that topic of fear and most importantly, Christ's victory over t- uh, fear. And just in generally, why is it so important for young people today? But even maybe some thoughts that have come to your mind as you've seen what's happened in the last couple of months with the pandemic. So that's a great question, Mark. So how I want to answer that is just thinking about that the different types of media that we're receiving on a daily basis that can contradict each other's, we're not sure who to trust and what to listen to to guide us during this time of COVID-19 and the pandemic. And in many of my conversations with people who I know are in the faith and of the faith and those that I'm not too sure about, um, I'm seeing kind of a trend in my friends who are grounded in the faith. And there's a different type of response to how we are entering into this time. We tend to be respectful of the guidelines that are given to us from our government and that authority. However, we are choosing not to live in fear. And I feel that that is probably the biggest and best message that we can continue to communicate as a congregation and as leaders working with young people is to guiding them to those scriptures, saying that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And that that is the one thing we can depend on. We're not sure what we're going to hear out of the different spokespeople on television or on different podcasts and on a daily basis, but we can be sure on the rock and the foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord and his scriptures. And so keeping that at the forefront is what allows us to not live in fear. And to that doesn't mean we ignore the, the safety guidelines. It just means that the, the day-to-day, you know, we, we're waking up anew knowing that we are children of God. And I think that is an important message in this time when we're not able to have that face-to-face interaction with our young people and with our families in the congregational setting. How can we keep that message in the forefront? I've talked to some of our online graduate students that are seeking their DC certification, and that was a conversation we had right away saying, how can the church be more vocal in giving that message of hope and guiding people and reminding them? Because it is very easy as we check our our social media status, as we go to post a picture of the day or how, how much our hair has grown out and we need to see our hairstylist, is that we're going to be confronted with messaging that is very negative and is telling us who to believe and why we should believe them or not believe them. And so how can the church just continue to put a more positive message out there? And so I look at this fear Bible study and I go, you know, that was a year ago and we were not even talking about COVID-19. But I, some of this stuff could be adapted or adjusted in a Bible study setting still to talk about some of those things. And the scripture is just still rich and ripe for any time that we're facing. So we weren't even thinking about COVID-19. Now we have it, but look at God's word. It is constant through and through. Absolutely. And I love that this study dives into issues and ramifications of, of dealing with sin and, and temptation. And our sin and temptation can easily leave us or especially young people feeling isolated and alone. Um, and I think we're all feeling a lot of that isolation and aloneness for sure right now. Um, and in our sinfulness, it certainly can amplify that. Uh, it's so easy to ignore Christ's invitation to rest in that victory, to be confident, to be, to be fearless. Uh, in the lives of teenagers, why can these uh, matters make them feel so alone? Uh, and in general, or maybe in this current time, do you have advice for how to help young people uh, in a time that feels uh, alone and isolated? 
You know, I want to refer to what I know best, and that's my role as a mom right now. And my role as a parent is just recognizing that each of my own teenagers, 15 and 17, have dealt with this in their own way. And it's and when one might be grieving, the other one's fine. And it doesn't mean that they wake up and they're walking around crying and wearing black like they're going to a funeral. No, it's just they're exhibiting it in different kinds of ways. And I had to really rely on some of my own training and background to recognize the fact that they're acting out, even my seven-year-old and 10-year-old, they're acting out in different ways that I might see as being defiant or disrespectful or just as that normal teenage behavior. And I had to remind myself the very thing that I talked to my students about online, which is that they are grieving. They've had a huge loss in their life. They've lost all of their social interaction with the teachers who maybe they didn't care for. And now they have to do it online. Their classmates, just the freedom to go and drive around town and go hang out with friends, Um, their extracurricular activities, and even in the younger kids, just their scouting groups and not being able to play soccer. And I'm thinking this is, this is all grieving. And so it's not just that my own students that my vocational workforce was focused on and caring for my undergrad students and their grief, but it's my own family and that I'm also grieving. My children are grieving. My husband is grieving and we're showing it in different kinds of ways. So being acceptant and tolerant of that, but I think also allowing an opportunity for dialogue. And I think when it comes to, um, if I was in that role in a church, still directly connecting with other students, I would want and I would hope that you as youth workers that are hearing this are finding that opportunity to connect one-on-one to say, how are you doing? And let's do a life check. And I did that with my undergrads. And it was that kind of like face palm moment to say, do it with your own kids, stupid. What are you doing? Like you're giving all your attention to the people (laughs) that you're called to serve in your job vocation, but as a mom, give it to your own four and your spouse too. And so allowing the conversation to be one that you're giving permission to say, yeah, this really stinks. And this is not what I expected. And I I thought my birthday celebration would be more fun and enjoyable. Instead, I got a drive by and everybody waved, you know, allowing disappointment is okay. And I think um, instead of trying to make sure that everything's happy all the time to allow and kind of resonate with people and say, yeah, this stinks. We had an online class where I opened up. Juliana was saying, what is the one thing that you're looking forward to the most when stay at home order is released? And a lot of students like, you know, we said things like popcorn from the movie theater or, you know, going and getting out, you know, going into Starbucks or whatever, (laughs) but kind of almost having permission to grieve and to be able to identify and resonate with each other what we're missing. But then also talking about what are the blessings that we now have, like that I get to have two meals a day. I don't have breakfast together because we all wake up at different times, but two meals a day and to talk about things that we never got to do because we were all working or involved in things. So that's good. You've given us a lot of stuff on, on the study um, and on your, your speaking time too. Um, just want to say with, with all those things that you've discussed, uh, ways that you would connect with young people, what is one thing you would hope young people would walk away from this Bible study? I think the one thing is that, um, is to fear not God is with you. God has your back. I think that's kind of the takeaway. I look at my own kids and it's our trust in God that's going to get us through. And it's really, it's fear not, God has your back 
and he's going to provide for you. He's going to care for you and continue to be strong in your faith. And as we, uh, as you think about maybe lay leaders who are thinking about doing the study with their young people who are trying to engage in this time, uh, how would you give encouragement to maybe pastors, commissioned ministers, or lay leaders who are looking to lead this study with their youth group? I'd say I wrote the study with a lot of hands-on experiences and a lot of visuals that you could do in your church setting. And so you just got to scrap all that and uh, just focus on some of the conversation and dialogue. And I think those could even be great one-on-one checkpoints. You could send some of those out to your students in advance and say, here's some questions that I want you to um, just kind of think through and ponder in the coming days. And when we gather together next week, I'd love to hear some of your responses. You know, give students an opportunity to study at home and to process through what some of those may be. Um, I know for my own boys, they've been connected in some different youth ministries in our area, in addition to our own home church. And so some of getting to see how other um, churches are running things, having a Bible study guide dropped off at our door and saying, we're going to go through this 21 day study together. And here's a journal. I was really impressed by that. It's not a digital format. It's an actual tangible book that they can study at their own time and take some journal time in. Plus it showed that a youth leader drove by and dropped it off at the house. So those different kinds of touch points show the the teenager that they're important, even though my boys were just visitors at this congregation with some friends. So even visitors getting a hard copied uh, journal really spoke a lot to my two boys. And as a parent, it showed that that ministry was paying attention to all the people who walked through their doors. And that was impressive. That's great. Well, Rebecca, thank you for writing this resource. I know it'll foster conversations around things in life that bring us fear, uh, but most importantly, the victory that Jesus brings us over sin, fears, and Satan. It's so important for all the children of God to hear and to also be encouraged um, in our faith and what Christ has done for us. And to certainly encourage our youth as they face challenges and major decisions in their lives. And now with maybe a whole new atmosphere around what's coming in the next weeks and months. Uh, This may be especially important for young people as they wade, again, through a lot of those things and how our world may look in the future. And we get to walk alongside them and give them God's word in many and various ways and continue to encourage them. For God has claimed us in the waters of baptism and we are his and he is with us through all those things. So thankful for what you said, that he's got our back um, and that we are blessed by that. So may God continue to bless uh, your work at Concordia Irvine. And thank you for all the what you do to prepare future church workers. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure, Mark. Anytime. I hope it's a blessing for people. We are facing a time of crisis now, but there are always concerning things in our broken world. This is why helping young people develop resiliency in Christ is so important. We want young people to remain humbly confident in the face of fear, concern, and crisis. Right now, we're dealing with this pandemic uh, and COVID-19. But if it weren't this, there are certainly always other things that uh, that cause young people to struggle with fear. Uh, fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of transitions, fear of uh, what it looks like to be an adult. But also, uh, we certainly have an opportunity to have news in our hand every day that can inform us of all the things that could possibly go wrong. And so... That's why resiliency is just so important for us to develop in our young people and as a part of our healthy youth ministry is to help them to know that Christ has conquered that fear, that they don't have to live in that fear, that they can be uh, people who are living confidently in Christ, even in those times of crisis, uh, whatever those look like. 
uh, one of the other things I heard uh, Professor Duport say was uh, she certainly wrote this material, but uh, it was written for a time when we could be face to face. I certainly want to encourage our lay leaders to know uh, that right now, as you're looking for resources or you're looking for material, uh, even those people who wrote that material are going to tell you, scrap some of that stuff, right? <laughs> Do what works. Uh, but that God's word is really what's critical and most important in those studies. And so even if you go in and you can't do the material the way that you it's written, uh, if you are getting those young people into God's word, if you're talking to them about how Christ has conquered fear, uh, you're going to be okay. <laughs> don't, don't worry about whether you did the activities right or not. I appreciate it. Even the word to us as in church work um, to, you know, encourage other church workers, the people who are doing the work, that every church is doing something different. You don't have to compare yourself to someone else or another church. Uh, play to your strength, build relationships, um, and really get to the pulse of where people are at to build those relationships. I, you know, We don't know where we're going to be at months from now, and that, that still is going to be an important thing of how those relationships in Christ bind us together. Um, and through that, uh, you know, everyone's saying it, but truly we'll get through it together as the church because Christ um, has won the victory for us. Absolutely. So as we come to the end of this, some closing questions to think about um, as you look forward to maybe using this material or, or talking about this topic with your youth group. How are you addressing fear and Christ's victory over fear in your youth ministry? Another question is, how do you play to your strengths in ministry? And how are you finding places to meet your young people where they are when they are in crisis? And how are you building relationships that can help uh, address crisis and also to prevent that isolation that so easily can creep into our young people's lives? We are praying for you as you engage young people in this time of crisis, but as you engage them uh, all throughout uh, time, Lord, we uh, we just know that you uh, are facing a lot of fear and the young people are facing a lot of fear, but we are also confident uh, that God is with us. He is present and he is going to walk with us and through uh, work through us in these times. Okay. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you get an opportunity to give us a rating as it helps other people find us. Engels Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.